Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. What's happening, church? You feel good? And you guys look good. Can we make some noise for all the Denver-based locations? What's up? We love you so much. Brussels, Belgium, we love you. Austin, Texas, we love you. And let's go crazy for the three best locations, our three God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. We're so glad you're with us. Your family, don't ever forget it. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. If you're in a building, you can go ahead and have a seat. Speaking of our God Behind Bars campuses, the coolest thing, just, I mean, I tell you guys all the time that I love being a part of this church family with you. I mean it so much. Um, I, I ordered Chipotle the other day uh, with Uber Eats, all right? And um, the, the, I got the text that says your driver is approaching. So I went out to the front porch and the guy's coming up and I, he says, here's your food. And I say, thank you. He says, have a good day. And then he looks up and he goes, whoa, you're that preacher guy, aren't you? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, bro, let me get a picture. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then I about started crying because right after he takes a picture of me and him, he goes, I just want you to know I found God in a Red Rocks Church God Behind Bars location and I'm out and I'm making good on my life and God has changed my life. I go to the Park Meadows campus right now. George, what's up, George? I love you, bro. We just started a, a kids ministry, a children's ministry for those with special needs at our Lakewood campus. Come on. You know how many lives that's going to change. You know what a difference that's going to make in some families' lives and some parents who have special needs children in their family that they can actually go to church and know that their kid who has just different needs than everybody else is being loved and taken care of. It's going to change the game. 400 people have given their life to Jesus in the last two weeks. Come on, church. And let me just say this. I want you, those of you who call this place home and your tithe and your offerings come to Red Rocks Church, I want you to see today there is an eternal return on your investment that is happening 400 people in the last two weeks. That doesn't happen without your generosity. A new special needs ministry doesn't happen without your generosity. God Behind Bars doesn't happen without your generosity. So church, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you so much, man, I love you. Hey, no brace. No brace. I just got it off and it's so atrophied and weak that they're having me just start to do curls with the weight of my hand and my whole arm shakes when I do it. So like this right here is a crazy workout. So I'm going to do this from time to time and it might start going like this and then I'll be like, yep, you're done. Man, I'm so glad to be with you guys. We're in this series called Vantage Point. Anybody liking that series? We, um, we started this series with this verse um, in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12. And it says there's two things that defeat the power of Satan in somebody's life. It's the blood that Jesus shed on the cross 
when he was dying for our sins, and it's the word of our, say it with me, it's the word of our testimony. That's it. There's power in your testimony. And so all throughout this series, me and Doug and Ronnie, we've hit the road with the creative team. And we're not just going to tell you stories from our life, but we're going to show you the places and spaces where God has done absolutely. God uh, has, has changed so much about our lives in these places that, that we just can see it as we look back. We're not the same because of it. And listen, as we share our stories, I'm telling you, God's going to speak to you about yours. I need your story. You need my story. Somebody at your school needs your story. Somebody at your office needs your story. Somebody in your family needs your story. Somebody on your team needs your story. There's power in that, right? Let's pray as we get into this, and then we're going to let these guys go smoke in the back or whatever they do. <clears throat> uh, I kid, kind of. God, thank you so much that you're with us. Thank you so much that your presence is with us. Thank you that you, let, let, that you allowed your son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that we can have, we can have eternal life and live a different life in the here and now. God, would you speak to us today through your word and through some testimonies, through some stories? And I pray, God, that we would look back on this moment and go, I'm changed because of that. That's what we're believing. So God, speak to every single one of us, whether we're in a building, online, in a house, in a car, bike, hike, whatever. Speak to us now in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Love you guys. I kid. Well, Scotty, I don't know about you. There's maybe. Hey, today's message is called, Called and Going Nowhere. Ooh, that was a workout right there, a left-handed drink. Called and Going Nowhere. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> Have you ever felt that? If you're joining us and you don't know, sometimes in church we talk about, you know, I want to be in the will of God. I want to know the plans of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We know that God has a plan, a will, and sometimes in church we call it a call. We have a calling. I can just sense it. I've got, I've got some God-ordained dreams somewhere in here and here, but it doesn't play out very much out here. I feel like I've got these dreams, but I don't feel like I'm very close to them. Sometimes I don't even know how to get closer to them. You ever felt that? And it's frustrating. I feel like I've got these God-given talents, but I think I'm being underutilized. I don't think I'm actually walking in my calling. I don't think I'm actually using these gifts, and I should be, and it's frustrating. Come on, we know that feeling, don't we? We know what it feels like to feel like I, 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 I'm called, and at the same time, I feel like I'm going nowhere. Sometimes those go together, don't they? And, and, and I think every one of us, if you don't know that feeling, I bet there will be a time when you will. So that's what we're going to get into today. I can't wait. Welcome back to week three of Vantage Point. Hey, what's up, everybody? We are back at what is now City First Church here in Rockford, Illinois. At the time, it was... Rockford First Assembly, I think was the name. This is the church where I came for the first time to a church service as an adult, experienced the presence of God, gave my life to God right here, prayed my first prayer right down at that altar. I mean, this, this building represents a whole lot of life change for me. And uh, it's interesting because I think part of the reason I'm filming this video today and get to be a part of the Red Rocks Church family and am a pastor and the whole thing is because of something that happened right here 
they used to not have these really cool gray theater style seats. It was these long pink bench like chairs called pews. I don't know who named that, but they need a talking to. Uh, I was sitting right here in a pink pew. I had got, I'd come to a handful of services and thought, you know, I'm, I'm cool now. I'm, I'm going to sit in the back. I'm going to sit in the back of the room. And so I'm sitting in the back of the room and they had a group come in. It was, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're still a thing these days, to be honest, but it was called Shake the Nations. And it was this huge creative production. Um, and, and they would travel around and do conferences and go to big churches like this one. And the, the, the production that they were doing this particular day is, this is gonna date how long ago this happened. Princess Diana had recently died in a car crash in Paris. And it was obviously like, groundbreaking news around the world. Well, so maybe a year later, these guys, they go to the exact spot, they, they rent a car, and they actually drive the exact route that Princess Diana's car had went on when she got in that accident. And I don't remember really a whole lot of the production other than it was uber creative, which really caught my attention. And, and I think the message was something like, you know, you just never know when your life will end. Like we all kind of feel like we're gonna live forever, but the truth is we're not, and the truth is for most of us, we never know. And so make sure you're living for Jesus, make sure you're trying to make a difference, all that good stuff. So I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm, I'm newly saved, and I'm watching this thing, and all of a sudden God drops this dream into my heart, and it was like, man, I wanna do that. And I don't know what that means. I never wanted to be a preacher. I don't, I don't wanna preach, but like, because I'd worked in the film business and I, and I loved and appreciated creativity, I thought, well, maybe I could do something like that. But I remember sitting in this chair, which again was a pew, but sitting right here going, God, could I someday do something on a stage like that where this many people get to hear about you? There's probably 1,500 people in the room. And I remember thinking like, God, just someday, could I do something big like that? And it was probably that same week that I was in this room praying, still kind of a follow-up, like, hey, God, you remember I prayed? I wanted to do some big things, and like a week has gone by. And I was reading the Bible, and he showed me this verse, and I'm going to read it to you. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And I knew exactly what God was saying to me. If you want to do something big, if you want to walk in your calling, whatever that is, it starts with not just big dreams and big aspirations. It starts with, will you humble yourself and actually be obedient to me right where you're at? And I'm telling you, church, I knew in a nanosecond where I had to start. There were three things in my life that I knew I need to humble myself and be obedient to God. And it was my money, it was my relationships, and quite honestly, it was just my, my focus in life. And so sitting right here, watching a traveling group of people doing their thing, God spoke to me about kind of my calling for the rest of my life. And, and He never gave me a big picture. He never gave me a, like, here's what you're going to do. Um, what He gave me was, if you want to experience the kind of life I have for you, I'm going to need you to go all in. And it starts with humbling yourself 
and being obedient. And for me, like I said, three main areas, my money, my relationships, and my focus. And so I started, and this is where it all happened. This series is fun, isn't it? Getting to actually see some spots. Let's reread 1 Peter 5, 6. I, I want to talk about this, this verse today. And I just want you to, to be real honest. Like, be open today. Let God speak to you. God, is there something you want to say to me? I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about those three areas that I needed to submit. And I challenge you to ask God if there's any area where you need to submit. Because this, this, this one applies to every single one of us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. That due time's the frustrator, isn't it? Because it's not my time. It's not your time. It's due time. And that's where we get frustrated. That's where we have that feeling of I'm called and I have talents and I've been given a dream and I have gifts, but I feel like I'm going nowhere. And that's where the frustration sets in. And I think more than ever in the last couple years, I have had conversations with people and they all kind of go like this. God's put a dream in my heart and it ought to be happening now. Isn't that true? If he's put the dream in my heart, it ought to be happening now. If I have the talents for what I can see, I ought to be utilizing them now. And if I'm not, there must be a problem. And due time must not work, and he must have forgotten and must not be paying attention. And so I guess I better start finagling, <laughs> right? And for me, like I said, it was those three areas, and I just knew it, because I wasn't. I was new to God, but I just wasn't yet, and the first was my money. And, and I'll never forget, again, today's about stories. I'll never forget, I was sitting in a car with a youth pastor in the church parking lot right after service, and uh, it was actually the pastor's wife, and she, uh, her name was Jeannie, and she played a very pivotal role in my life, and she was helping me with my budget at that moment, because I'd never had one. I was 24 and a college graduate, but didn't know how to do a budget. And so she, she started going through all this stuff, and... Um, She's like, obviously, you'll be tithing. And I'm like, I'm sorry? She's like, the first 10% of everything you make, it goes back to God. And I went, maybe yours does. Yo, I'm broke. You can read the numbers on that page. They're little. And I got way more debt than those numbers can handle. I had so much credit card debt. I had a whole bunch of school debt and, and very little income. I said, I can't afford to tithe. And she looked back at me and she said, you can't afford not to. I said, I'm sorry? Like, none of this makes sense. You're saying I can't afford to give away? Like, this is upside down and makes zero sense. And she read me this passage. She goes, let me just read you something. Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe, that word literally means tenth, into the storehouse. That's your local place of worship. That there may be food in my house. Bring 10% back to where your local church is or your local place of worship because it's going to fund the things like what I talked to you about in the beginning. It's going to fund things like God behind bars. It's going to fund things like, right? That's, that's, what, that's what God's saying, that there's going to be food in my house. It's the only time, she said, Sean, this is the only time he's ever said this after a command. He says, test me. Put me to the test. 
says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough to store it. She, he, she said, you can't afford not to. I said, I'm broke. She said, listen, if tithing unlocks the floodgates of heaven in your finances, why would you wait till you're not broke for that to happen? You can't afford not to, Sean. And it was so funny. She started talking about stuff I hadn't even heard of. She goes, and, and just so you know, you're going to come back to me in about a month because you're going to talk to some Christians around the church who, who, want to, who don't want to tithe. And here's what you're going to hear. And I'm just going to keep you from having to come back. She's like, you're going to hear that this is just an Old Testament law thing and we don't need to do it today. She goes, so let me just wrap that up so you don't even need to set up another meeting with me. She's like, read Genesis 28. And I'm just going to read you one verse. She did not read this to me. She goes, go read Genesis 28 and read Matthew 23 and, and watch what you're going to see. It's not an Old Testament law thing. And I want to share this with you because it, it helped me a lot because I had heard that. Genesis 28, 22. This is several hundred years before there was even an Old Testament law. This is Jacob. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. That's hundreds and hundreds of years before the Old Testament law. And go read Matthew 23. Jesus talks to, he's talking to some people, and he's talking about the tithe and says, I want you to change the way you're seeing some things, but don't stop tithing. So it's talked about in the New Testament. It's way before the Old Testament law, and it's in the part of, a part of the Old Testament. It's not just an Old Testament law thing, but it comes down to, she said, Sean, you need to read the Bible, and you need to talk to God, and you need to ask him, I'm not trying to avoid it, God. What are you calling me to? She goes, go have a moment with God. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. Go have a moment with God. And I came back to her and I said, I don't want to do this halfway. I'm in. I'm all in. And I don't have much. She said, well, that's the good thing about God's system is 10% of not much is not much. <laughs> she said, actually, and this is, I found this to be true. She said, the richer you become, the harder it will be for you to obey. Because you'll start looking at the 10% going, well, that doesn't quite make sense. She said, it never gets easier. It's always the same exact, it takes the same amount of faith to tithe no matter where you're at on the income scale. And I said, I'm in. And I said, how do I start? She said, get it auto-deducted from your paycheck every two weeks. And I said, well, why should I do that? She said, so you don't have to make the emotional decision to tithe every two weeks for the rest of your life. She's like, if you, if you want to make it part of your life and you're going to actually live this way, then make a decision and go take care of it. Because two months from now, two months from now, you might have more or less and be less emotional or more emotional. And you don't need to make this decision every two weeks. If this is how you're going to live your life, go make that call and let's go. That's why we have the ability on our website and on our app for you guys to set up auto withdrawal. Because if you decide, I want to live this way then let's not play games. Set it up, let's move forward, and let's go friggin' change the world together. That's what I wanna do. Now, I know money makes some people a little squeamish. If you don't trust me or you don't trust this church, keep coming to church, keep using the child ministry services that we provide, keep using the online platforms that we, do, that we provide, keep using all the resources, enjoy the worship team, enjoy. tithe somewhere else. I do not care to have arguments with you about, I'm not sure if I trust your motives or not. Fine, tithe somewhere else. Watch what God starts to do. I'm telling you, this is a biblical principle that when I talk to my boys, I don't say, go have a moment with God. I say, this is what you're gonna do because it's gonna change your life. But I can't say that to you. <laughs> so go have a moment with God and see what he wants you to do. And let's go change the world.
Second thing for me was relationships. Man, I, I needed to submit my relationships to him. I was single and newly saved and uh, hoping that I did not have the gift of singleness on my life for the rest of my life. However, I know some people do, straight up. Like, there are people that God will call to be single for their entire lives, and he will give them the grace to do that, and that's their plan, and that's their call. And I was just hoping that wasn't my call because I had real strong desires not to be single. So I prayed what almost every new single Christian prays. Bring me somebody hot. Who goes to church? Who loves Jesus a tiny bit? Right? And I had met this girl at church, and she was cute, and she was nice, and she was newly saved. And we started talking on the phone, and there was, I, was, I was tired of being lonely on the weekends, and I was like, man, I'm just going to ask this girl out. But I was like trying to give every part of my life to God. And so I was like, I'm gonna pray about it. And so I had this moment where I was all by myself and I was like, God, here's what I think I'm gonna do. And this is, man, I'm just, I think this might be the one. And you know, I mean, she's saved and she's single. So it's pretty much my criteria right now. And uh, it was the first time I ever felt like I heard the voice of God in my life. It wasn't an audible voice. But I was by myself, and a phrase hit my head, my heart, my soul so strong, and I know I wouldn't have ever come up with it on my own. And it was as clear as day. It was, you don't need a girl right now. You just need me. And I believe he showed me this verse, Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And that verse is going to be in most of your Bibles in a section called, Do Not Worry. Don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't worry about this. If you'll just go back to when, if you just spend time seeking me, I'm gonna take care of everything else. I've got a plan. I know, I know, I know it feels frustrating, but I need you to trust me. I need you to humble yourself in this moment, submit this to me, and let me do the God stuff, and you just walk in faith right now and hang out with me stuff. What I didn't know is, that was gonna change my life forever. Because it wasn't too long after that that I met a girl named Jill in a small group at the church. A small group that she came to with a boyfriend. <laughs> well, it's true you did. And I could tell from the jump, I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I didn't know. I didn't know that we'd get married and have three unbelievable boys, Ethan, Austin, and Ashton. I didn't know we'd someday partner with the Brugmans and a team of people and start a church and pastor Red Rocks. I didn't know any of it, but God did. So see, all I saw was frustration because I'm single and it's the weekend and I'm lonely. All I saw was frustration. You know what God saw? Preparation. I know, you're, I know you feel called and like you're going nowhere, but I got a plan that you can't even see coming. And so don't just feel frustration. Understand that this is about preparation because I got a plan for your life. And that's what it was. And the third area for me that, that I knew I needed to submit was my focus. Man, this was huge for me because um, I'm, I'm, I've got that like type A personality. You know, like I want to go and do and achieve and conquer and I want to win. I want to win at everything. Like I need counseling over how bad I want to win. And those the closest to me know, I'll make anything a competition. Oh, we're both leaving the restaurant? 
Well, I'll take a picture in my driveway when I get home, and I bet I get there before you do. Like, I'll race. I'll do anything. Everything's a competition. But I'm always like, the, the, the shadow side of that is I'm, I'm not content on autopilot. I'm always, what's next? What's next? What's next, God? What's big? What's next? Huh? Let's go do something. And I have a hard time being where I'm at. And uh, this has always been me. And, and, and now that I'm a Christian, it's still me. I'm just a Christian version of that. And sometimes I have to fight against that. And I was, I had started interning at the church. Um, and, and interns make 50 bucks a week. And I had gotten married. So, I mean, talk about feeling like a man who's providing for his new bride. I was not. I had big dreams of, of what I wanted to do. I actually didn't want to be a, a pastor. I didn't know what I would do. I thought it would be creating some creative things, but I knew that I wanted to be on a, on a stage because that's the only place I'd seen where a whole bunch of people would gather and let you talk about Jesus. And I just wanted to tell 1,500 people plus about Jesus. That was my dream. But I was frustrated. And, and, and so because now I'm an intern, and now I'm like, 26, 27, 28, start to work at the church. I'm getting close to 30. I'm doing what we do every single day now. We just didn't have social media to help us do it. I'm looking at what other people are doing and how much better it looks than what I'm doing. And that's what we do on a daily basis on the IG, don't we? So a friend comes to town. His name is Monty. And we had a life altering conversation at a place that I don't know if it's from heaven or hell, hell uh, Cracker Barrel, you decide. Um, I ate like 12 biscuits and a whole jug of honey, so I don't even know what happened after that. Um, I'm talking to my friend, and, 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 and I just really looked up to him as a man of God. And he's very type A, go get him kind of guy, and so I'm like, he's gonna feel my pain. And I said, man, I'm watching my peers speak at conferences, work at giant churches, be senior pastors, be up on stages, talk big things. I'm like, Monty, I'm the funny skit guy at our church. See, this was a whole different era of ministry. And what we thought was really cool was the pastor would be speaking, and then midway through the sermon, he'd go, huh? And there, some actors would come up on stage and do a little play. So, like, Andrew, you're laughing, but you, were, you know, you were in church during all these. And so, so, like, he'd be like, you know, sometimes we have conflict resolution issues in our marriage. And then all of a sudden, a guy and a girl would come sit at a card table, and they would have a pretend fight, and they'd try to be funny, and it'd be super cheesy, and then the lights would go out, and the lights would come back on the pastor, and he'd go, kind of like that. <laughs> and we were like, cutting edge ministries, Okay. Well, when they decided they wanted to start doing that stuff, they're like, well, who's going to write our funny skits? And somebody on the leadership team was like, that Sean kid will do it. He's from Hollywood. I've never written anything in my life. My friends are putting on conferences, speaking to thousands of people, and I'm waiting till Wednesday afternoon to get a call from the senior pastor to go, can you write me a funny skit about... And no one, no one would be the guy on stage because it's so humiliating. So I was also that guy almost every time. 
So I'm telling Monty, I'm like, bro, my friends are changing the world. I got a college degree, student loans, a wife. I'm about 30, and I'm a funny skit guy. And I thought he was going to give me some sympathy and be like, bro, I know some guys. I know a guy. I know some people. We'll work some connections. Let's get you to something bigger. I thought that's what he would do. It's not what he did. He goes, Sean, you got it all wrong. You're working in the kingdom of God now. It's a different set of rules. You don't promote yourself in this kingdom. God does. And he goes, and you want, you want to fast track your promotion? He goes, well, let me show you how to do it. And he read me a verse. Matthew 25, 23. It's not look at Instagram. It's not keep looking over the fence. It's not keep wishing. It's not trying to wiggle your way into something. Well done, good and faithful servant. This is the words of Jesus. You've been faithful with a few things, skit guy. I will now, this is a sequence. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He said, Let me, the way the kingdom of God works is God puts you in places and spaces for certain amounts of time, and your job is to walk in faith and to lock in where you are and be so faithful with a little that your heavenly father has to give you more to steward. He said, you're not locked in. You're spending too much time with your head up looking at what might be next. You need to put your head down and become the best funny skit guy this world has ever seen. I walked out of Cracker Barrel different. I used to set up a card table for the funny skit for the couple. You know what I did the next time they asked for a couple? I built a 16-foot wall with a window. I found the actors, interns. I found the actors that were gonna play the parents. I went, and had, I went and had family pictures taken of them, and then I framed the family pictures, and I put those on the wall next to the plants and the full design set, and I, the, the ceiling was probably 50 feet in the air, and I rappelled down a chandelier over the set. I'm going to be the best funny skit guy this place has ever seen. And I started, and I, and I ran lights every week for the youth group for eight years. I ran sound. I set up youth retreats. I tore down youth retreats, and I wrote funny skits. And I, I'm telling you, there were so many days when I'm like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it well. And there are so many days when I'm doing it and going, I hate my life. I'm going to be faithful, God, because it's what you called me to do. I'm going to lock in where you got me. And I just want you to ask yourself, are you in a prison, in a hospital, in a family, in a neighborhood, in a job, in a cubicle, in a home? And most of your energy is looking around like this. And is it possible? And I'm not saying this is you. Is it possible the God of the universe is saying, I can't wait till you start to respect the place I have you right now and lock in like you've never locked in before? Because when you show me you can be faithful here, it's not just a test. I'm preparing you for what I got for you next. So I just challenge you to ask yourself, is it possible God's asking you to submit in some area of your life right where you're at, let's go back to Rockford and the last video of today's teaching. So we started with this verse, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will then right, lift you up in due time. And I told you that for me, I knew, I knew immediately the three things I needed. I needed to start being obedient with my money, my relationships and my focus. 
And, and here's the story that you want to hear. I know this because it's the story I want to hear is that as soon as I started making those decisions, I said, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient with my relationships. I'm going to be obedient with my finances. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to seek you first in your kingdom. And I'm going to trust you that you meant what you said, that you'll take care of everything else. And boom, the next week, my dreams start coming true. That's the story we want. That's just not my story. I started doing those three things to the best of my ability. And, and truth is, I can't tell you how much like God was stirring up this desire for me to be on one of these. And again, I didn't think I was going to be a preacher. I thought I'd be making videos or doing something creative. But I just knew, I, I just, I didn't know, I guess, but I, I thought that God was, had put this desire in my heart. That's what I thought. And it was that I wanted to be here not because I was trying to be famous. I just want to tell a bunch of people about Jesus. That's all I wanted to do. And I just kind of thought this is where it has to happen. And I wish my story was the next week he put me on a stage and I got to tell a bunch of people about Jesus, but that's not my story. In fact, I, I spent the next eight years after that God moment in the auditorium in this room, not up there. <laughs> I spent the next eight years running these bad boys. Every Wednesday, I would lower these trusses down. And these are like intelligent lights. We didn't have this fancy stuff back then. We had these like thousand watt park hands. And if you wanted to change the color, you didn't hit a button like you do with these. You, you literally put a different colored gel in front of the park hand. So I would lower these every week and I'd figure out, okay, who's on the worship team this week? Where are they gonna be? Where's the drums? Where's the guitars? Where's the keys? Who's preaching? What's happening? And then I would come in here and I would adjust these lights and the system was a little antiquated, right? So I'd guess at where all the lights went and then I'd have to hoist it back up into the ceiling and then I'd go, oh, great. That park hand needs to be adjusted and that one, and I'd lower it back down. I would spend all day getting the lights ready, not for me to be on a stage because it just wasn't God's timing. I spent, I spent my weeks preparing this stage for other people to be on it. And then up in the top of the room is a little tech booth and every Wednesday night, I would be up in that tech booth and I'd be running the light board and I'd be running the sound board for the people that were on stage year after year after year. And in fact, there came a time when I was like, you know, I could either keep being like, I could get mad about this and like start being mad at God and questioning God and walk away from the whole thing. And I don't know what it was. Probably somebody spoke into my life because I'm definitely not smart enough to come up with this on my own. Probably somebody encouraged me to do it, but I just remember there being a time where I was like, you know what? All I can control from that verse that I felt like God gave me is me being humble and submitting to God. I can't control what he deems due time, right? So I'm just gonna keep doing this because he's got me here. And so I'm gonna keep fixing these lights and I'm gonna run the lights and the soundboard up in that tech booth for the people down here on stage. And that's what I'll do. And, and I decided to make it my worship and I would be up there in that tech booth. And as I was controlling the lights throughout a service, this, I, would be, I would be reminding myself, this is my worship. This is my worship. This is me worshiping. And it was just me trying to embrace where God had me because where I was physically didn't match up to where I wanted to be in here. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I spent a lot of years in this room. Now, I'm not saying, for some of you, it might be the opposite. You might start, submitting your ways to God and humbling yourself before him. And trust me, it'd make for a way better message. It'd make for a way better response if I could go, man, I humbled myself and a week later, God gave me my dreams. It's just not my story. I interned here for two years and we made $50 a week. 
And then I worked here for six years after that. I made about 30 grand, somewhere around there, never got a raise. Then we got the idea to start this thing called Red Rocks Church. And me and some friends moved out to Denver. And we didn't not only get paychecks, but didn't even have health insurance for three years. So, so get this, from the time I had what I felt like was God dropped a dream into my heart. From the time I had the moment over in that sanctuary of, I think I'm gonna do something on one of these stages and tell people about Jesus. It took 11 years before I actually got a paycheck to do what I felt like God was calling me to do. And so for me, my story is for 11 years, I got to live out that verse, I'm gonna humble myself, I'm gonna submit myself, and I'm gonna let you raise me up in due time. And I can tell you this though, church, it's almost 25 years since that day. Almost 25 years ago, I had that moment in that sanctuary where I felt like God said, I'm gonna use you from a stage, and I don't know why, to tell people about Jesus. And my, at, the, at that time, my dream was, what if I got to tell 1,500 people at the same time about Jesus, because that's about how many people were in that room. What if I got to do that? Wouldn't that be amazing? But see, we serve this God who says what he means, and he says in Ephesians 3.20 that I'll do things in your life that will absolutely blow you away, things you couldn't even dream of or, or, or imagine or hope for on your own. I was dreaming of getting to be on a stage and telling 1,500 people about Jesus. And the truth is, Red Rocks Church, this church family that we're a part of right now, not because of the leadership, not because any of us, definitely not because of me, because of whatever God is doing through this church family, just this message this weekend will go out to almost 150 countries. We as a church family get to tell people literally around the world that we serve a really good God. And he has really great plans in store for your life. We don't get to control the timing on those plans and the timing on those dreams. But what we can do is control if we will humble ourselves and submit to our God and say, I'm going to obey you in these areas that you're calling me to obey you in. And I'm just going to worship you where I'm at. I'm going to worship you where you have me through the opportunities you put in front of me, knowing that whatever promotions you may or may not have in store for me, whatever your ultimate plan is for me though, that's gonna happen in your timing, God. And I'm gonna be okay with that. And I'm telling you, when we decide to make that choice, there is a peace that starts to just overtake our mind and our soul and our hearts when we can go, I'm not in control of the timeline. I'm in control of my humility. I'm in control of my submission to God. He's in charge of the timeline. That's the way I want to challenge you to live, church, and I believe it's the best possible life. When I went back to that room to film, I remember I remember feeling what kind of frustration I dealt with in that room. For eight years, I served in that room and up in that tech booth. And after a few years went by, I got like once in a blue moon, I would get to preach to the youth. But the first time I did it, I messed up a Bible story. It didn't go well. So they weren't going to ask me back too quick. I confused Saul and Solomon. <laughs> Easy to do. And uh, yeah, I totally misled a bunch of students. And um, then, I, then at one point, I got to do some stuff with young adults in that room. But 
was never the scale of the dreams that were in my heart. There was a lot of frustration. But I, as I stood in that room, and I thought about my life today, it, it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. All I could see some days was frustration. And the whole time, God's going, just trust me, son. Stay in here, son, because this is preparation, bro. Because I got stuff for you that you can't even see coming. And I think about all those small groups and how I learned to read the Bible and I learned to talk about Jesus and I learned to disciple people one at a time. I, I could spend here, for, I could talk for hours about the lessons I learned. All I saw was frustration, but what God knew was, no, 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 this is preparation. And I thought about David. Many of you know the story, and I'm just going to give you the real quick cliff notes because I got to wrap this up. David, theologians believe somewhere around 10 to 12 years old, perhaps, but young. He was anointed by a prophet named Samuel and told that he would be the next king of Israel. So you want to talk about some God dreams being dropped on your heart. This is from God. I, I'm almost sure of it. I'm supposed to be king. And you know what he did after that? He went back out to his father's field and watched sheep. The lowest of the low when it comes to jobs. And then just to put salt in the wound, the, the current king, Saul, he kind of felt like there were times when he would get so sick that he thought maybe he was like being attacked by demons and he needed something to soothe him. And somebody said, well, there's a there's a shepherd over here named David, a young kid. He could play the harp. He goes, bring him over. So every time Saul would get sick, the king, David, has to go to the king, the guy who has the job he wants, and play music for him till his tummy stops hurting. And then go back and watch dad's sheep. But there was a time, and we know this because of what we learned later, there was a time when David went, I'm not going to be an average shepherd. Oh, I got dreams of being a king in my heart, but I'm a shepherd right now. But I'm not going to be an average shepherd. Because what we learn is, is lions and bears would at time attack the sheep. If you are really bored, you can read up on this for yourself. Most shepherds aren't going to do anything about that attack. I'm not going to risk my life. That's a lion. I'm a guy. It's one sheep. Not worth it. Most shepherds aren't going to go fight that battle. I'm going to let the lion take the sheep. I'm going to let the bear take the sheep. But David said, uh-uh, I'm locked in. Oh, this is not the dream in my heart, but it's where God's got me. I'm locked in. I'll go fight a lion for one sheep. I'll go fight a bear for one sheep. And he killed him. And I think this is the moment, 1 Samuel chapter 17, where he actually realized, oh my gosh, it wasn't just frustration. It was preparation. Because you know what God was preparing him to do? Kill things bigger than him that scared most men. Now he's on a battlefield toe-to-toe -to -toe with a giant man, and he's so huge that he scares the entire nation of Israel's army. And he says to the king, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. All I saw was frustration. But now that I think about it, I killed a lion. If a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, 
I'm not the average shepherd. That's why I'm telling you this. This is going to shock you. I was dialed in. I was locked in. I went after it. I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. See, your servant, I've been through some stuff. I've had some frustrating times in my life. I've been through some stuff, but I killed both lion and bear in those frustrating days. This uncircumcised Philistine, he'll just be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. I saw frustration. God saw preparation. And all of a sudden, I find myself in a position today where I'm just not scared of giants because I've been through some stuff. So this, bring it on, bro. Easy. He was being prepared, and all he could see was frustration. See, and that's us, I'm telling you. We're going to close. Worship team, you can all come back up. I'm going to close with this. I could bore you a story after story after story of how all my frustrating days were the best preparation that I could ever have. I'll just give you one. For 22 years, Jill and I have both believed we heard from God and we're supposed to tithe. So in the real poor days and in the real good days, the first 10% of whatever we make goes to wherever we're worshiping at. And then we hold, the, we hold the 90 real loose, and we've just always done this. God, the rest is yours. I'm a steward. I'm going to save some money, and I'm going to have fun with some money, and I'm going to do what I can. But if you want something, say the word. It's yours. But one time, and we were poor, we were brought face-to-face with a ministry that was helping children, and we felt called to give. We didn't, we didn't, have, that, we didn't have that kind of money. In fact, it was actually a big ministry and it was helping a lot of, a lot of people. We felt called and, and we felt this, and this is just, I'm not saying this is what any of you should ever do unless you feel God telling you, but we felt this call that we're supposed to empty out the, the bank account on this one. And we, I remember it, I remember right where we were sitting, sat in the car and prayed and yeah, let's do it. I said, babe, how much do we have to our names? She said, we have $50. So we wrote a $50 check, sent it off. See, I know, I know what it's like to feel called to a ministry thing and finances don't make any sense and to have nothing. I know that pressure. Because I had some real frustrating days like that. A lot of seasons like that for us. I saw frustration. See, God saw preparation. Because he knew 2020 was coming. And that I would be a senior pastor of one of the largest churches in the country. And that there was going to be a worldwide pandemic that was going to shut down all the buildings. And every single senior pastor was going to feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. How in the world are we going to operate? How in the world are we going to stay afloat? How in the world? They took the buildings. How are we going to keep our employees? Everything's falling apart. We're going to lose everything. You want to talk about some pressure. And if you know me, I'm sort of prone to anxiety. So this is like the perfect storm for me to literally fall apart. I'm not bragging on myself. I promise I'm bragging on God. Through COVID, through the craziest financial pressures I've ever experienced in my life as a leader, not one panic attack, not one sleepless night. 
He's prepared me. He prepared me for this. I just thought I was frustrated. If I would have been put in the position I was in in 2020, two years after I dreamed that's what I want to do, I would have quit and ran in a heartbeat. It would have crushed me. I wasn't ready, but I didn't know it because I didn't know what he had planned for my life. I'm telling you, if you can say, God, I may not be where I want to be, or maybe you are. Is there an area that you want me to be humble and submit and show some faith and show some obedience and let you take care of what's next in due time? There's some peace in that. And when we can actually live that way, guys, put up that very last verse, Psalms 118, 24. This cannot just be a Bible verse, but a definition of how we live. Because I'm just locked into where I'm at and I trust God for what's next. This is the day the Lord has made. And guess what? I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. I'm just going to rejoice and be glad in it. I can stand right where God has me and put my hands in the air and rejoice no matter what my dreams look like, no matter what my future looks like, no matter what my talents and abilities and how they're being utilized looks like, because God's going to take care of that stuff in due time. I'm going to seek him first and his righteousness and let him take care of everything else. And so now I'll just chill and rejoice and be glad in this day. Amen. That's what I want for you, church. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you're speaking. As we begin to worship with this unbelievable gift that you've given us of a worship team, I pray, God, that we wouldn't just be singing words of a song, but that we would actually be open to you speaking to us about our lives. I thank you for what you're doing in every single one of our lives. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody at every location said, amen. Would you stand up with me and let's worship.